1: Get grill ready with Walmart. Find all your faves like Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. Then don't miss your chance to win thousands of hot summer prizes with the Seize the Summer sweeps. There's camping kits, backyard movie packages, gift cards, and more. Summer is what you make it. So get out, get grilling, and get winning with Walmart. No purchase necessary. Legal residents of the 50 United States, including D.C., 18 and older, or 19 for residents of Alabama and Nebraska. Voidware prohibited. Promotion ends 731-2020. For official rules and complete details, visit www.seizethesizzle.com. Sponsor Kraft Heinz Foods Company. Thank you.
0: Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and we are coming to you on Monday, December 23rd. You likely joining us on Tuesday, the 24th. I will start on behalf of Brendan and I by wishing everyone a happy holiday season, whatever holiday you happen to celebrate. I hope you were able to do so with family, friends, or by yourself if that's how you choose to celebrate. But hopefully it is a good holiday season for all of you listeners. We're happy to have you here joining us for another episode. And folks, I, I wish that, that we had something to talk about, but alas, the Cubs continue to do next to nothing. And look, if your jam is reclamation project relievers, guys that have had surgery in the last couple of years who have seen a velo dip, but maybe there's something in there. Maybe they can tap into that spin rate, right? If that's your jam, boy, has this offseason been for you because uh, the Cubs... Yes, it. the Cubs have done some more of that, adding uh, former Blue Jay Ryan Tepera to that growing list of, of guys who will be trying to make the bullpen in spring training. But if that is not your jam, which I assume it is not, uh, then it is yet another week of seeing some free agents come off the board. Dallas Keuchel, for example, going to the Chicago White Sox and wondering if the Cubs uh, fancy themselves participants in this offseason or not. Uh, So we will continue to talk a little bit about that. And then obviously, as we have this and next week's episode uh, as our last in 2019, I think for both of those episodes, we'll end up spending a little bit of time reflecting back on the decade that was uh, talking about regular season moments, playoff moments, favorite players, things that have come and gone since uh, this decade has passed. Uh, just because, again, if the Cubs were giving us really meaty stuff to talk about, maybe we wouldn't have to do that. But we are reaching the end of the decade. We've, we've spent a few years with you here on this podcast, so perhaps we can find some things to reminisce on and, and remember the good old days of Chicago Cubs baseball. But Regardless, uh, where I did want to start, Brendan, and I I will bring you in here as I think you can maybe articulate some of this a little better. I I wanted to start with uh, an article that came out last week from friend of the podcast, Brett Taylor, over at BleacherNation.com. If I have to explain who Brett is, I'm not sure how you found this podcast, but uh, Brett does very good work with his team over at BleacherNation.com. So check that out if somehow you are unaware of that website at this point. But he he wrote a very good article that I think— Shine sh- shined a lot of light on this luxury tax situation. And uh, again, I desperately wish that we weren't talking about this. We can go through all of the prefaces that we normally do, that the Ricketts family has a ton of money, they should just be spending money, yada, yada, yada. But we do that a lot. So we're not going to do that again. And and I think what was so good about this article from Brett was that it really painted a realistic picture of what might be happening. We, we don't you know, still, a lot hasn't happened. And we don't have any concrete quotes or information about exactly what the Cubs thinking is right now. But this article from Brett really paints a picture of what the the realistic, pragmatic way to viewing all of this may, be and why it may be happening and obviously none of us are are going to agree with it right we would all prefer the Cubs be spending money and making the team better uh, especially as it looks now and I don't know if you disagree with me Brendan but like even right now just roster as is nobody changes anything I would expect this team to compete for the NL Central title for sure. right now. For sure. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, and and it, and it would be tight, certainly tighter than it should be with the Reds making a lot of improvements, uh, the Cardinals kind of standing pat after they won the division last year. So it it certainly wouldn't be a slam dunk, but I would expect them to compete. So I wish that they were taking those steps to make us a little more confident, like this is the best team in the NL Central, they'll compete for the playoffs, and you see what happens. But they're they're not doing that. And I think that's where this article from Brett really kind of helps to understand the the full picture, because I think there's a lot of people who would be tolerant of the Cubs, not necessarily Giving out the contract that the Yankees did to someone like Garrett Cole, or the contract that the Angels did to someone like Anthony Rendon, but just hoping, like you were discussing last week, Brendan, that they would take a look at guys like Cesar Hernandez, who is now off the market, guys like Brock Holt, things of that nature that could just sort of improve upon those margins, maybe give you a better last four guys on the roster, right? And and they're not doing that either. And I think that this this post from Brett really helps to understand a bit of that and and what he's looking at the the title of the article if you go to bleachernation.com is why the Chicago Cubs are parentheses likely working to get back under the luxury tax in 2020. So, Brendan, I you know, I'm I'm not uh asking you to read through the entire thing here. But if you can kind of go through the main points, I I do think, and again, I I know that the luxury tax discussion and hearing about the budget is not the most entertaining thing. But I I think if you want to understand what might be going on here, whether we agree with where it comes from or not, I I think this does a really nice job of, of helping to understand some of the nuances of this particular situation. The luxury tax is not
1: as simple, as Brett points out, as going above a threshold and paying one penalty. It's not that simple. So in 2019, the Cubs paid almost $8 million extra for going over the luxury tax in the second tier of the luxury tax. But if they do that again in 2020, it's not just consequences in 2020, there's consequences in 2021 and then potentially beyond that as well. And so Brett points out there's three aspects of really consequences that could hurt the Cubs financially and on the field. The first consequence is the tax itself, right? So if you go over again in 2020, you could be paying around, you know, 10-12 million depending upon what your payroll ends up being. That's 10 million dollars right there. But there's also different types of these revenue sharing programs within Major League Baseball. The first one is redistributing the luxury tax. So you're going to have teams paying into that and then you split that apart to other teams. That means the Cubs in 2020, if they stay underneath the luxury tax, could be saving you know maybe one million dollars. Here's the biggest part about the luxury tax issue. There is, again, that revenue sharing refund. It's a huge sum and it's just to make sure that some smaller market teams they stay competitive. So the Cubs they pay in you know around 30 to 40 million dollars. But if you go over the luxury tax a second time, what happens? You lose 25% of potentially that 40 million dollars. So you lose 10 million dollars right there in addition to the 10 million dollars you might pay in a luxury tax that's $20 million. There's also some other aspects in there. The Oakland Athletics are being phased out of that program, so you save, you know, maybe $4 million there as well. So as Brett points out, 20 to 25 million dollars that the Cubs could be saving by not going over the luxury tax in 2020. Here's where it gets a little messy though. In 2021, let's say the Cubs go over it again, the third straight time. Now we're talking like in some serious numbers here, not only do you pay more on the luxury tax penalty for those thresholds exponentially, but that revenue sharing refund, you don't get just 75% of that back. You only now get 50% of that back. So if the Cubs, let's say they pay $50 million in 2021, guess what? You're losing 25 million right there. You may be paying an extra 10, 15, 20 million in the luxury tax Penalty, And so you sum all these values together, the Cubs, by not spending and not going over the luxury tax in 2020, could save the team in two years 50, 60, or 70 million dollars. That's not even to mention the consequences that you get from going over the very top threshold, the third threshold of the luxury tax. You lose 10 draft picks. Or if your free agents leave to another team, let's say some of these guys that are due up at 2021, 20, you, na- you may not get the type of draft pick compensation because you're gonna be penalized for going over again for a third time. So there's a lot of different aspects to consider. But if, if you wanna look at one specific output, of what would happen if the Cubs go over in 2020 and 2021. The actual output is estimated probably around $60 million. If they want to go push up the payroll even more, you may not be getting the draft pick compensation you deserve if your free agents leave. A lot of these guys contracts are up after 2021. Chris Bryant's up after 2021. Everyone for the most part is up after 2021. So it does the the way that I'm thinking now is a little bit different. We've had time to see how the Cubs are operating this off season. Clearly, they're not they're not going to be spending like I talked about. You know their goals a week ago, two weeks ago. I said I would be surprised if the Cubs don't spend similarly to what they did in 2019 when they ended with their overall luxury tax of 240 million. I don't think they're going to do that anymore. Just Seeing how this is playing out, they're trying to move money to sign guys like Joe Panic. Like, okay, you have to kind of reset your thinking. You have to think about not only 2019, but the consequences in future years. And so you can you can get behind both sides of the argument. One side is, you know what? Who cares if you're going to pay 60 million dollars to win a World Series? That should be a worthwhile investment. I get that argument. The other argument is, well, the Cubs are run like a business. 60 million dollars is a lot, and you can. Share that sixty million if you save it in other aspects as well. So I, I get both sides. I'm still personally trying to figure out where, what side I'm on, because this is this is kind of a different line of thinking for me. I got to say, I'm surprised, and the off-season is not over yet. But I am surprised that we may be. Slashing payroll. We we may be going underneath that luxury tax threshold, which by the way, we're projected to be over two, three, four million right now. They have to shed payroll somehow. And they may not make up those lost trades with value in return immediately on the major league roster. And that 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 does suck. It's complicated, Corey. Again, I'm still trying to figure out where my opinion falls on this. I my initial reaction is I I understand the logic of this. I really do. At the same time, I, I, I think you know, there's so much money to be made by going in deep playoff runs, by winning a World Series. Maybe it makes sense you know, to suck it up and pay that $50 because your return could be so much greater. It's, it's a tricky situation.
0: Yeah. And so just to read kind of a way that Brett summarizes this in the article, he says, quote, putting it another way, the system in place makes it much cheaper for the Cubs to have a $207 million payroll in 2020 and then a $250 million payroll in 2021 rather than having a two hundred and nine million dollar payroll in twenty twenty and then two eleven in twenty twenty one. And Brett goes on to say, quote, it's an absurd extension of the way these penalties are structured, but it's true. And so again, I think it was good to talk through this and uh, like I said kind of at the outset, I, I would direct you to this article. It's on Bleachernation.com was posted on December nineteenth. So if you're if you're looking for it, I think right now it's on the second page of of their homepage. But if you want to get the full picture, read the article. You know, it's kind of hard for us to articulate every single point. But I, I think all of what you said, Brennan, in that last example illustrate again, the the realistic situation that may be happening and is likely happening behind the scenes in the Cubs front office. Like I said at the beginning, is that the situation we all want to be in? Do we all have to accept that that is the realistic situation and and way that they are looking at running this business? No, (laughs) right? Like, not necessarily. But I think it's important to remember these things. And and I always say this, like we can always just sit here and say the Rickets can afford to spend, right. say $300 million a year on the payroll. Sure. Nobody does that. No, No it's other team private. does that. Yeah. It's not going to happen no matter how much... How, no matter how much money all of us individual fans give them, no matter how successful they are, it's just not how it's going to work when it things are being run like a business. It, so it's it's not super productive to always rally on that point, no matter how much I believe it, no matter how much Brendan believes it, and all of us believe it. So I think looking at this and and understanding some of the nuances of the luxury tax, the collective bargaining agreement, and all of these pieces that go together... I think it's it's better to have an understanding of what actually might be happening in the real world than what we wish were happening.
1: You gave an example right there. If the Cubs were to be at 207, right, versus 209, the consequence there is literally like 30, 40, 50 million dollars right there. And Chris Bryant's extension has been a hot topic. Maybe like that's part of the logic there. If you can save that amount of money, That 50, you know, we talk, we're talking in generalities right here, but 50, 60, 70, whatever it ends up being. If you can save that and then you can extend some of these guys, you know, maybe that makes more sense. It's, it's again, it comes back down to yeah, Ricketts should be spending all this money, but it's not pragmatic to think about that. The New York Yankees do not do that, the Los Angeles Dodgers do not do that. No team does that. So I can get upset at Ricketts, but I have no reference to Ricketts because he's operating like any other big time owner right now. This is a major league problem that's probably going to have to be renegotiated after the 2021 CBA.
0: I, I, so I, I understand where you're coming from. And again, there there's so many ways to look at this. And until th- they actually do stuff, Right, it's it's a little harder to know like how if they shed, for example, if they shed payroll by attaching a prospect to Tyler Chatwood and just saying, okay, we're going to run with the same group. Okay, like maybe I can get a little bit on board with that because I'm desperate for them not to trade Chris Bryant, right? But if they trade Chris Bryant and Wilson Contreras and you know other people to get under the payroll, those are two very different ways of getting under the luxury tax right the other concern is even looking at brett's example that i read a minute ago where he says that you could then you know it's cheaper to do 207 so you're under in 2020 and then 250 in 2021 then you're going yeah. way over uh how optimistic are you right now brendan that that's what the Ricketts plan on doing Right, because I would be
1: optimistic about that.
0: Be- well, so because I, I, I think just the concern amongst some people is going to be that if you pull back to get under this year, are we positive that they're going to open up the checkbook and that you're even going to be able to spend all that money and then get the team in a better place if you right. do that? Like, for example, right. Brendan, if they trade Chris Bryant, which, again, for the millionth time, they should not do, okay— I can't make that any clearer. But if they trade Chris Bryant to get under the threshold and then we're we're hoping that they they get a prospect haul and they're going to spend money in, next year and going forward once you trade Chris Bryant, can you spend the money to get players that are as good and productive as Chris Bryant? There's no guarantee on, on certain things like that. And you can look around the league right now and see many examples of that. There were a lot of teams that were envisioning their rotation with Garrett Cole at the top of it. He only went to one team. There are a lot of teams that we heard in the mix hoping that Anthony Rendon or Josh Donaldson were going to be patrolling third base for them. And... There are teams like the Angel or uh, the Rangers and the Braves and the Nationals who are kind of looking around, going, uh, "Okay, well now we've got Donaldson, or maybe we can trade for Bryant." But it's just to say it's not that simple. So I think part of the concern you're going to have, even if people were going to buy into this plan and say, "You know what, I get it. Maybe you need to retool for the future. You've had some things not work out. You haven't had uh, the the success in the last couple seasons that you would have wanted." So let's retool a little bit and, and try to strengthen for the future i, I think that there's some concern and and ju- rightfully so that a are we positive that the pocketbook is going to open up uh in the future and b is that even going to be the answer to the situation you're in are you even yeah. going to be able to just use that money to make the team better Or is what you're doing right now going to put you kind of behind the eight ball even in that regard? So I think those are just fair like kind of counterpoints to at least consider here.
2: Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
1: Would be surprised though if the Cubs did go underneath the luxury tax this year, then at least not approach similar spending levels as 2019. And that would be the 240 to 250 that you're talking about. So that would surprise me because it seems to me, Corey, that the only logic of going underneath the luxury tax this year is in fact to be able to spend on future years, not just 2020, but 2021 as well. There are several different issues that we're looking at here. But to me, that's like the reason why we're even doing this right now. The reason even that they're considering going under $208 million. So you can't spend that type of money that you're gonna save or not you know, pay into the consequence for twenty twenty. That is maybe this optimistic or whatever, but the, the main point there is we have twenty nineteen to use as an example. The Cubs went over the luxury taxes second threshold at two hundred and thirty seven million, the highest paying team in the National League last year were the Cubs. They were almost the major league leading team by a few million dollars. So all of a sudden, they're not going to do that in 2020 after their intention seems to be to not go over the luxury tax multiple times in 2020? Yeah, that would surprise me. And I, I think it's not just... This is like almost a perfect storm. And we were talking about this you know, off the air, and I don't think it gets its due justice. And it's the business side of this team. We were told, what was this, in 2015, 2014, that there's this monstrous TV deal looming that's going to give the Cubs an enormous amount of money right. like around exactly this time, around exactly when the Cubs and their free agents would be coming. Like, you know, that's not happening. And there's reasons for that. They messed up, they may have messed up this TV deal. The TV bubble has bursted and they can't get their standalone program the way they want to. And they're right. losing millions upon millions of dollars. And the money's not there when maybe Theo and the rest of this team, even Tom Ricketts, maybe they thought it would be here by now. And we always talk about, you know, why. All of a sudden, is Theo being restricted by Tom Ricketts? Is he being blindsided? Corey, maybe the blindsided nature we're talking about is exactly that TV deal. Maybe everyone involved thought the money would be here. Guess what? It's not here. Guess what? You got to go underneath the luxury tax so in 2020, you can put an insanely competitive team out there in years to come. That might be something that we're just not getting its due justice from. I really want to know
0: what's going on. We're we're also hearing that they blew past the renovation budgets for some of the stuff. So, like, what the hell, Crickfield? What's going on here? Uh, and and mm-hmm. that's that's all a consideration. And and again, like this is where you kind of have to find where you land in the balance of this whole situation. Because as we we stated, we wanted to to run through this again because Brett articulated it very well. And and just reading through, especially a lot of the responses to his piece. Were, were that it was very helpful to to helping people understand what is going on here and, and how to kind of reconcile some of this stuff going on. Where you have to reconcile this is pretty much since they've taken over ownership of the team and I, I can go and grab my season ticket letters that I get in the mail <laughs> at the end of every season and the beginning of every season when the tickets come, The the language – has never been. I, I and correct me if I'm wrong. If any any of you listeners are also season ticket holders and you remember getting a letter in the mail that said we may have to be mindful and pragmatic with the payroll just in case we overshoot our renovation budgets and we don't make any money on the TV deal, then correct <laughs> me. I, I may be wrong on that, but if I'm thinking correctly. The letters usually say, we are committed to doing everything we can to giving you the best product on and off the field. We will stop at nothing until this team is always competing for championships, yada, 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 right? Like, so that's where I think the frustration, I mean, of course, the frustration is going to come in, is this is just not what we have been sold. I think plain and simple, this type of thing the the fact that that we are considering even the the trash possibility to reiterate that that they may trade Chris Bryant instead of extending him not even letting him play out his entire time with the cubs that is not What any of us were sold whether and 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 I and just to like this isn't whether you're a season ticket holder or not. All of you you go to one game you watch him on TV, you go to a bar and watch him you're devoting your time your money, It, it, it doesn't matter how much or how little this is not what you were sold as a fan of this team, that this is the type of stuff we were going to be considering, that they're going to miss the playoffs and then be talking about trading some of these guys. That is (laughs) not what I was told. And again, like, what I get in a season ticket holder letter from Tom Ricketts or what we all get from an email from Cubs.com or what they say at Cubs convention, none of that is gospel. And they they don't necessarily owe it to anybody to stick to those words 100% and literally, right? But it's the danger of when you take over a team and you sell everybody on the rebuild hey we're going to be really bad for a few years this is what our plan is this is how it's going to work you got to be prepared for some of the blowback when you start acting in a manner that's not consistent with that and again brett's article and on all these discussions lay a good groundwork to understanding the the business implications and the real life strategy that may be at play here but it doesn't mean that anybody has to like it. I, I think we're just hoping to understand it a, a, a little, a little more. Um, and and that's actually just to 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 read Brett's last words, and then and then we can maybe move on. I don't know. Depends how pissed <laughs> off you guys are in this conversation. It's it's hard to tell. But Brett ends the article by saying, "Quote." In other words, I still don't want to see the Cubs working hard at this time to get under the luxury tax, but at least I now have a better understanding of the financial considerations attached to those efforts. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. that that's and and that's I think the crux of this issue. So it's really just about trying to understand why on earth is the narrative around the Cubs the way it is? Why on earth are they not signing any guaranteed major league players to contracts this offseason? Why are we only hearing about minor leaguers who have half of a working elbow, right? So that's kind of where it is. And and again, like, I'm very frustrated. This is not what I was sold. This is not what I want to see them doing. But you you have to hope, and I, I think that Theo of all people ha- should be granted this opportunity, if they are going to commit to undertaking a strategy to prepare themselves better for the future, then I, I trust Theo to do it, and that sure as hell better be what they're doing, right? That's kind of the the moral of this, is is I, I will trust Theo and his front office because they came in, they executed their plan, and don't forget, they won a World Series in 2016. So they deserve the benefit of the doubt, at least to that degree, to try and get things back on the right ship. But I'm certainly not telling anybody to be uh, particularly happy about it. But that, Brendan, I I think is a good lay of the land for where we are. And uh, again, useful to point out, we still haven't seen any major steps in this direction. We are still waiting on the Chris Bryant grievance decision, which is an absolute joke, by the way. I don't know who that falls on. I don't know if that falls on the MLB I, there's no way it falls on the cubs i'm sure they they and bryant submitted their materials uh, this has been going on for years but I mean, the it fact hurts that bryant's market too like right. he can't he's in limbo with negotiations with the cubs right. maybe because of this too right so I, wh- whoever this falls on whether it's major league baseball the arbiter wh- whatever this is a joke that this is going we're, we're hearing we at first we were hearing before the winter meetings and then now it's not even December. They're talking about like mid-January now. It just keeps getting moved back. And this is all to get a decision that is almost assuredly going to be Bryant not winning this case. So it's, it's almost all for nothing anyway. And it's taking forever. And it is slowing everything down. Josh Donaldson is still out there. Those two things probably working in tandem, at least uh, uh, to a degree. So yeah. we're still waiting on some of this stuff. So exactly where this takes the Cubs, we still don't 100% know. But Brendan, just because we were on the subject of it, I, I do want to ask you, the Cubs do keep signing these reclamation project type pitchers to minor league deals or, or shorter deals, etc., spring training and invites with Bringing Brandon Morrow back, you've got Kimbrel for another year, you've got this pile of guys that maybe you can sneak, say, one out of to be a a useful and productive member of your bullpen. Just taking a look at the roster as it is right now, because usually you and I are not let's spend big money and huge contracts on relievers type of, of people, type of roster construction people. Just give me your general sentiments on the the potential of this relief core. And and even if you were to think of some of the other guys, we, we've we heard that this is kind of a, a pivotal year for someone like Albert Alzali and what his role is going to be and kind of getting him to take that next step. We, we've seen it tossed around that perhaps he could be somebody that they throw into the bullpen in a general sense. All right, so not because not, I, I think some, we're going to end up talking about how they're not spending money, what they're doing, blah, 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 way too much. So I just want to, for one second here, look at the group they actually have and ask you, do you think that there is a quality bullpen in this group?
1: Absolutely. I mean, absolutely, yes. I think you have, at least at the back end of the bullpen, three, maybe four guys you're comfortable bringing in late in the game that includes Craig Kimbrell. And you may not be comfortable with him, but the reality is he's the closer. He's going to be there. He's going to be healthy. He's making his money. He's the closer. You have Craig Kimbrell. You have Brad Wick. You have Kyle Ryan. You have Rowan Wick. Those are four guys, three of whom had pretty good years in 2019 and developed, adjusted to the league appropriately. So you have four arms right there. I think, yeah, that, that makes sense you go further down the pool of possibilities, they include Dwayne Underwood Jr. They include Jarrell Cotton. They include Tyler Chatwood. They include Dan Winkler, James Norwood, Alec Mills, Trevor McGill. There's a lot of guys who you could see potentially working out. And Of those names, two guys I really do like are Dan Winkler and Trevor McGill. Dan Winkler, especially. This is a guy who's had pretty good stuff, but has not been able to translate some of his impressive stat cast peripherals to actual run prevention. There's reason to believe, though, with a few changes, they that the Cubs can optimize his value. Same thing with Trevor McGill. This guy is Corey, six foot. Eight. He's almost, what does it say? 235 pounds. He's got a wicked, a wicked breaking ball. Throws pretty fast. I mean, you have talent on this team. It's just a matter of now taking this new pitching infrastructure headed by Craig Breslow and turning these guys into the next Rowan Wick into the next Bradwick and seeing if you can not only have four guys you rely upon, but if some of those four guys don't work, then you can bring up and you can mix and match with some guys who have also changed as well. And I'm not even talking about Adbert, Azalei, or Colin Ray. And there there are a lot of interesting arms. The bullpen, for, for me, I'm more comfortable with it now than going into 2019. I think my issue with 2019 ended up being exactly that is you had some unpredictability health-wise with a lot of those arms. I think you look at Brandon Morrow as a good example, but not only him, C.J. Edwards had health issues in 2018. Steve Sijek, his hip Absolutely blistered his production late in the year last year. Those two guys, CJ and CJ, were, you know, they're projected to be in the top four of the bullpen. And that's ultimately, it happened for a few portions of the season, but it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't reliable. I feel as if the pool is bigger. The talent pool is bigger. And I just I trust some of these younger pitchers like Rowan Wick and even Brad Wick in his short sample. Just because his stuff looks good, passes the eye test, you know exactly what adjustments they made. And those same adjustments you can map back to why they were valuable. So I'm I'm comfortable with the bullpen. I'm more comfortable with the bullpen than maybe the positional core as a whole
0: yeah I, I think that 's fair, and i I think I would tend to agree with you, and I think we 've said this before that you don 't want to over trust or over emphasize the possibility of their 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 pitching infrastructure, their development infrastructure, and the pitch lab itself. But they have had some successes in there. They're they're bringing in a ton of potential names. And one thing that they seem to be prioritizing this year as opposed to last year is that roster flexibility. Guys with options, guys on low stakes deals, so that early in the season—and this is not really what we saw during parts of 2019— they don't have to just sort of go down with the ship with some of these guys and get to that last thing where you just can't deal with it anymore, right? Because they don't have any options, they're getting paid too much money, and unless you're positive that you're done with them, you got to kind of keep them around, right? They're they're going a, a bit of a different direction in 2020 at least with this group in in a bunch of guys that they can try out send down move them around uh, until they get it right so I I think it's a fine strategy and and even just tying it in with the first discussion we had about the payroll I I, again like that's what's going to make this all so frustrating is it really doesn't feel like this team needs uh, you know massive overhaul and and 200 million dollars sunk into it to get them to the top of the NL Central. It feels like they need a couple of pieces to just improve upon some of the lack of depth in 2019 and would would we be thrilled with it? Would they be a lock to win the World Series? No. But they yeah. they would you would no question think this team especially if you get a couple things to continue Kyle Schwarber's performance in the second half being an example, get a couple of things to go your way or, or develop, you know, kind of fall that right way. Something like Ian Happ, you know, really settling in and, and taking over the center field role, and just being an everyday player with with little to no question. They they would compete for this this division title, no question, and it would be okay, right? Yeah. So I mean, like we we look at the WAR totals right now as they stand, and
1: the off is it's not over yet. All the teams in essential may be making more moves. But the way all these teams are constructed, the Cubs have the highest wins above replacement projections. And actually, Corey, it's not even close. Right now, the Cubs are projected to have 40 wins above replacement on their team. The next team is the St. Louis Cardinals at 35. Below the Cardinals are the Brewers almost at 35. The Reds. The Reds have been extremely active since the trade deadline and this offseason they're only projected for thirty two and a half. That's seven and a half underneath the Cubs. And they've sat on their hands for three months. So there is an argument to be made. And the reason that I think there is still optimism, and one of the reasons why Theo says status quo may not be the worst option, is essentially all the names you mentioned. If you have Javi Baez play the last six weeks of the year, if you have Schwarber, who's Adjustments appear sustainable. We'll see what happens. But if he's the same guy the entire 2020 year as he was in the second half of 2019, he's the best offensive left fielder in the league. Even average production from center field would make a huge difference for this team. And some of the depth pieces we talked about, there is reason. Like right now, right now, and the numbers are right there. This team is the best team in the NL Central. Whether that's enough to win a World Series, Right now, probably not, but you're at least in the discussion.
0: Yeah, I agree. So again, we will keep an eye on where everything is going. But again, we're, we're kind of in a bit of a holding pattern right now. Obviously, waiting for that Chris Bryant grievance to settle itself, the the implications on a potential trade, which they should not do or explore, uh, are are obvious. We're waiting on Josh Donaldson to see how that affects things we heard that the cubs were supposed to talk to Javi Baez about an extension that yeah what happened we with that? I, I don't know what happened <laughs> with that mean, we haven't really heard geez. anything about that so it, it's it's a weird spot and and trust me Brendan and I share the frustration the angst a, a, as much as anybody uh but at at times there there just is a point where you kind of just have to be realistic about these things whether you like it or not and and you can Uh, get as mad as you want you know till you're red in the face until you've got steam coming out of your ears like a Bugs Bunny cartoon Um, but that that won't unfortunately change the reality of the situation Uh, but if you're you're curious as to what at least the the vocal portion of of the Cubs fan base thinks uh, the marquee network Twitter account is a good place to look for how this offseason is being received. At least with some of the more vocal and active social media members of Cubs Twitter, uh, they they tweeted out something about you know they're putting together some some top top lists for for future shows and and things like that. Oh, that's bad. And it was just like, what are some of your top Cubs plays or Cubs moments? I would direct you to that Twitter thread if you want to get a good taste of of how a lot of people are receiving this offseason, because I would say if there's a hundred replies to that thread, three of them are actual suggestions of of moments (laughs) in in Cubs history. All the other replies are about how they don't have any money, about how Ricketts is being cheap this that and the other so it's it was a stat i was like reading it going wow uh this poor social media manager who is just getting dumped in their replies uh by a a lot of us folks so that's the state of things it's really great happy holidays everybody um but that's that's where we are in 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 the cubs yeah you're welcome no gifts for you right that's where we are in the cubs world I don't know how you're feeling about it, but hopefully once we cross over into 2020, maybe the news will get a little better, or maybe it won't. I I don't know, but I'm ready for whatever. But uh, like I said, a a little bit in this episode, and I think when we talk again next week, unless there's some major activity that happens between Christmas and, and New Year's that we need to talk about, but... I I think a good time to reminisce at least a little bit about the decade that was. Uh, We don't always spend that much time kind of just looking at the past and and things like that, other than uh, how often we mention, and in case you forgot, it's a good time to mention again, that in 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. So uh, I'm I'm always happy to point that out. World Series Championship Chicago Cubs, yes. right. Right. So what I wanted to ask, Brendan, and and there's a lot of different ways. It's a whole decade, though the first portion of this decade isn't really that exciting if you're a Cubs fan, and I'm not really sure how much people are are spending their time reminiscing on on the period from 2010 to about maybe midway of 2014, I guess, even if you were being generous. But looking back on this decade, uh, I I wanted to ask the obvious stuff right it's if we talked about favorite moments we would spend hours on the 2016 playoffs maybe a little bit of the 2015 playoffs and we wouldn't really get much else done because obviously we would want to talk about the cubs winning the world series which they did in 2016 but if we were looking at and i asked this question uh, i think a couple weeks ago on the cubs insider twitter account at real cubs insider regular season moments only what are, what are some things that really jump out to you, Brendan? And when you're sitting here on New Year's Eve 2019, looking back at a decade of Chicago Cubs baseball, what are some of those regular season moments, games, performances, things like that, that immediately come to mind when you're, when you're looking back on things?
1: There's so many different games and there's so many different moments and they're all very different. It could be walk-off home runs, it could be major league debuts, it could be Cubs debuts. But I always come back to where this era started, like this golden era, if you will, of of Cubs baseball. And it started with Anthony Rizzo, right? And so for me, like I remember the anticipation of Rizzo's Cub debut. I remember where I was sitting. I remember exactly what I was thinking and what the hit looked like. I remember the sunset kind of at Wrigley Field, and it was his first hit against the Mets. He had a sharp line drive type ground ball thing to, to shortstop, and it was his first hit. And so that, that to me, like launched really that type of era. It was the first move the Cubs made, and it was one of the best moves in Cubs history that they made. When they traded Cashner for Rizzo but there's there's other moments too Rizzo is up there for me um Javi Baez his first career hits the the home run against the Rockies late in the game And then for me, like going to spring training every single year, seeing the team evolve, talking about intra squad games from, you know, Javi Baez, Jorge Soler. And by the way, this spring, this 2020 spring training, you can follow the Cubs and other baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Arizona has amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans. It's a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. There is 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, and beautiful 75-degree temperatures. There is also so much more to see and do nearby. There is live music from local and national artists. There's museums in downtown Phoenix in central Phoenix. You can go explore the Arizona outfield, all the outdoor adventures there. You can hit the road and explore Arizona's urban centers, their ghost towns, their artsy communities, their quirky outposts. You can go hiking, biking, go on a Jeep tour, go on a high air balloon, skydiving, jet skiing, whatever type of thrill you want to do. Arizona can probably offer it. And it's very family friendly. You can bring the kids along The spring training is a fantastic destination for families. You can go run the bases with Clark the Cub after the game if you want to. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That is visitarizona.com slash spring training. So I think some of those moments, all those debuts are up there for me. And even like Starling Castro's majorly debut against the Reds, like that was fun, man. Like there was a time... When every prospect was being compared to Corey Patterson, Corey Patterson couldn't live up to a lot of the hype for multiple reasons. But that was the Cubs' issues. Like, oh well, maybe he'll just be another Corey Patterson, even though he's starting out well. So I I I think Castro and Baez and Rizzo, those guys, those were memorable moments, and you have. Recently, all those walk-offs—you have Hayward's walk-off grand slam, which was pretty fun. You have David Bodie's walk-off grand slam, which was fun. You have Chris Bryant's walk-off home run in 2015 that got the Cubs going against the Rockies. He had another one against the Indians that year. There's, there's, there's so many. Um, you know, it's hard to actually accurately rank them. You know, for me, I, I was at the David Bodie walk-off grand slam game, and so dude, that's got to be number one for me. But as a whole, you can go year by year, even in those bad teams in 2010, and 2011, you know, the Cubs signed Theo Epstein in 2011. So there are instances from every single year that were positives in a weird way for me.
0: Yeah, I, I got to tell you, Brendan, I'm a little surprised that of all the things you listed, you did not mention what, Jake, Jake Arrieta throwing two no-hitters. Yeah. I was so here's here's. Are you just too time. sad to even talk about him in in a you general know, sense anymore? Jay, I think of
1: Jake Arrieta right now, and I immediately get sad. I, I I miss that guy more more than ever. I miss the attitude. I miss everything about him. But yeah, like I I should have remembered that. Like Jake Arrieta's no hitter against the Dodgers is gotta be maybe maybe top three. The that that no hitter Corey. It wasn't just that particular moment. It was the you know accumulation of what he was doing. I have never seen anyone, anyone on a mound, even in a Cubs uniform or outside of a Cubs uniform do what Jake Arrieta did in 2015. That guy was unbelievable. Those sliders, those cutters, the two-seamers tailing away, the curveballs, the nasty hook, the demeanor, the arm angle, it's just like, oh my god, the wild card game, talking trash to the Pirates on Twitter. Unbelievable. For for me, pitcher of the decade, I love John Lester. Don't get me wrong, he's a Cubs legend. But those two years, 2015, 2016, like ah man, I just I really loved what Jake brought from a character standpoint and from a value standpoint on the field as well.
0: Yeah, I can I can sense you getting a little up in your feelings there talking saying. about talking <laughs> about Jake. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to do that to you, but I, I mean we me did have to we here. did have to mention them. But yeah, I, I think regular season-wise, there 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 really have been an awful lot of really cool moments. And and like you said, even during the years building up to 2015 and, and the eventual run that they went on, the, the John Baker game is something that, that comes yeah, up that a fun. lot, uh, where he pitches in relief and then also scores the winning run in the game, just sort of an absurd confluence of circumstances. Uh, I, I think when I think back on them, I mean, I've always, Said that the Chris Bryant walk off against the Rockies is one of the most important things that happened for the 2015 team, no question. But uh, you could probably argue just for the entire run of things. I, I think. But I that, thought he
1: wasn't clutch. He actually did that, right. That's
0: true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's there not. Yeah, sorry. Um, that he didn't hit world, home, uh, home runs in the World Series either. So uh, that's yeah, actually we'll a false that, yeah. false narrative. But. Like I, I, think about that one a lot, just because it, it was just such a special moment, and and really, it, it just one of those rare times where you can like almost feel a a switch get that get turned on like something changed in that moment with the the entire direction of not only that season but I think the the franchise as a whole Um, you know you think of you were talking about guys coming up and 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 their their debuts and stuff like that Wilson Contreras hitting a home run on the first pitch he ever sees in in the major leagues Uh, especially because like where he was in his trajectory just as a prospect like he really wasn't thought of to necessarily be that guy uh, by a lot of people leading up to that point and he comes up wastes no time making his presence felt and obviously he has not relinquished that position since and and it's obviously been quite Pleasant to watch his development. You think of everything with David Ross in 2016. We talked about that a lot when he was named uh, the manager. He's the current manager of the Chicago Cubs. Still weird to me to kind of remind myself uh, <laughs> of that. But I, I think of Madden coming out to get him and and let him have that last send off in his last regular season home game. And there 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 just were a, a lot of 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 really fun moments. Uh, Anthony Rizzo just pretty much doing anything i mean all the tarp catches that we've seen him make uh he's had a you know uh his own eh. walk-offs did you say ant eh, to the tarp yes yeah, so, yeah. some of those i'm like what are you doing rizzo especially well you you're know, a worry wart one- anyway uh but i like you know and then and, I, I mean just thinking about like john lester to uh, allow me to think about john lester for a moment everybody if you will but obviously like when I, I'd have to really think about it, and, and there's certainly some good contenders. Um I, I was at the David Bodie game as well. That wasn't really a fun game up until the end, but obviously just the <laughs> wildest ending. But yeah. I, I, it's hard to think of times where I have had more fun at a baseball game than the John Lester walk-off bunt uh, against the Mariners in 2016. I mean, that game
1: started off pretty bad, though, too. It Wasn't game Yeah, or it was the Brian but, Mattis yeah,
0: game. They, yeah. I, I believe the Mariners either hit they were up three two-run two home runs in consecutive innings, uh, or they yeah. get two runs in the first three innings, something along those lines. But... Watching them, like, mount that comeback, the excitement of them tying it in the way that they did, and then obviously John Lester walking it off with a bunt was just absolutely amazing. And another one of those moments in the middle of that 2016 season where it really starts to settle in, like, okay, this team is really special. Like, something is going on here. Like, I I don't know how they just won this game. I don't know how they stayed in this game to win this, but but something is uh foot here at wrigley field right like something is going on with this group and i'm excited to keep paying attention to it um but yeah like it's it's been a it, it's been a a fun it's been a fun time watching this team and and it's weird it, it, this podcast is a strange juxtaposition of like the, the the current frustrations and what comes along when when you do have those raised expectations and standards and also trying to just be able to appreciate some of these things i mean we didn't even mention like that comeback against the braves when they're down like nine runs in the rain yeah, that, that one that ends good. with that really good gif of chris bryant with his arms outstretched like looking at the sky <laughs> yeah. classic gif um i'm not sure if anybody even knows what i'm talking about it seems weird to be describing I mean, it, might be the, it might be his best gif in yeah, audio bryant that's a discussion for another day i, I don't it, know i think it is I, I think it is i'm being serious I think about it's up that. there There, there is a gif uh where and i might be getting the order in which they're sitting wrong i believe chris is sitting above anthony in the dugout and he's doing like a rain trickling down thing with his hands with his fingers yeah, that's good that's that i good. i would say is uh, but brendan i'm not positive that us verbally describing gifts is the most compelling audio um so
1: anytime chris bryant <laughs> winks is a, pro- right. a probable top five
0: gift. right uh so let me transition back out of that um you know and i know you mentioned rizzo too like and and his whole thing and uh, like him yelling at a roldis chapman on the reds oh i love and, that and those I moments i absolutely like, love that yeah. that that was one of those moments and and it's before 2015 obviously so it, some of that stuff gets lost a little bit but that that was like one of those like okay this is becoming Anthony Rizzo's team and now you look at where we are now and it certainly is his team uh, Javi would Probably, you know, Javi's Javi, hobby, so he might take exception to that. But either way, uh, that was one of those moments where you kind of, when you look back, you can really start to see it all coming together. Like, this is the guy they brought over to be this guy. And here's that moment where it's kind of like happening in front of you. Um, but. There, there, there's so many more. Uh, there, there's there been a lot of, of really incredible games and, and really incredible baseball uh, that this team has played in the last decade. But I, I, I do think sometimes, at least, even in the midst of a, a very frustrating offseason, it's good to just take a look back and, and remember that things have been pretty good and also remember that there are a lot of other teams that can do this same exact exercise. They can look back at the decade. They can rile off, oh, remember this walk-off home run? Remember this pitching performance, this no-hitter, this amazing comeback win? And they didn't win a World Series to pay it all off, right? I mean, some of them did not even make the playoffs. The White Sox didn't make the playoffs in this decade, so, right? you know. And, you know, if you're a fan of, I don't know, Brendan, I'm picking a team at random, the Los Angeles Dodgers, huh, say, God. for example, <laughs> no, for example uh, you could sure. be doing these decade retrospectives for the last three decades. And Which Clayton
1: Kershaw blown game do you enjoy the <laughs> right, most, Corey? <laughs>
0: uh, there's there's not a World Series in there that kind of ties it all together and and makes the, the ups and the downs all worth it right because that's what we're all really here for is to win the whole thing and win the world series so I- i'm sure there's others that we forgot and as we uh you know probably will at least reminisce a little bit more when we get back with you guys next week if there's if there's games that you're shocked we didn't mention here uh we were kind of off the cuff i didn't ask brendan to prepare a list for me so we're kind of just uh reading things as they come but a lot, of, a lot of really good games, uh, really good moments and, and things that uh, I, I will remember for a long time. I mean, you and I and uh, our, our dear friend of the podcast, Ryan, were discussing recently. I mean, we can rile off, like, the amount of specific games I remember from, like, <laughs> 2006 unhealthy. is disgusting. It's unhealthy. It's right? disgusting. We have like, I, I, I know exactly how the ninth inning played out of a game of the Cubs. And the Washington Nationals. I, like there the AP is Perez that, game, Brendan. That name is not allowed on the air. I was going to say redacted. I swear, you can't say that on here. I'm not even going to repeat it. But I, I know exactly how that game ended. And like, it's one of those things where you're like, why, like, why on earth do you have this? categorical knowledge of the 2006 chicago cubs right we were talking about uh michael barrett grand slam on sunday night baseball oh against God. the That's st so louis amazing. cardinals in 2004 like yep. just and and so it's all just to say like I, I will not forget i literally will not forget a lot of these things and it's it's fun to look back on them and and reminisce about them and we didn't even mention like Chris Bryant's five for five game in Cincinnati, where he hits three home runs, he has two doubles, uh, just you know, just some incredible he games. Pretty good, Corey. Chris, I, this, know, the, this Chris Bryant guy try to keep that on the team. Yeah, uh, he has a lot of assets that you might want to consider yeah. locking up a lot long of term. Moments, and, too weird, interest, and okay. I, I don't know, like building your franchise around <laughs> this particular guy. You could what consider. it. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. but th- there's just a lot of, of of really fun moments and and things that that I will certainly remember, um, you know, even now as I'm, I'm like running through more of them, I remember, uh, that, that series in 2015 against the Giants that the Cubs win, uh, at Wrigley Field. Again, one of those moments where you're like, okay, like that was like, this team's going to make the playoffs. Like this team just showed up in a huge series, laid the hammer down. And, and this is that moment. They stepped up to the plate. They did it. Um, so there's a lot of those. There there is a ton of of those moments that I think we will all look back on fondly, and and hopefully as we head into 2020, we we are able to build more of those moments going forward. Uh, but other than that, I, I think that's all we have for you this week we will be back with you on Monday uh, before a couple days before New Year's and again if there's something that happens that that we need to get on uh, Brendan and I will do it or one of us will do it somebody will talk to you if there is an emergency podcast that is necessary whether it's the holidays or not we uh, have to cover it 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 is uh, all that we really care about so we will be here to do it And then we will see what there is to talk about next week. Uh, I'm happy to reminisce about the decade and just talk about them winning the World Series for an hour uh, as we head into 2020 and then leave the decade behind, uh, so to speak, but Perhaps the Cubs will participate in in the off season and, and and do some things. Maybe we'll get an update on how many feet Brandon Morrow is throwing from. Huh? Anybody? All right? Who's interested in that? No? Sixty five no? feet. Whoa! Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing crickets on that one. But uh, anyway, I'm just trying to be positive, guys. That's, I think, what we got. So as always, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast. Uh, We are available wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate those five-star reviews and comments. They help us get seen and listened to by more lovely folks like yourselves. We, as always, appreciate your listenership more than anything else, your continued participation on social media. And like I said at the beginning, uh, whatever holidays you are celebrating, however you are choosing to celebrate them. We hope you guys have a good holiday season, safe travels if you are going anywhere, and we will talk to you next week. As always, go Cubs.
2: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Some secrets aren't meant to be kept. If you feel someone you know is at risk of suicide, don't keep it a secret. Listen to them. Let them talk. And let them know you care and are concerned. Suicide is preventable. Learn how to take action and save a life. Suicide. Recognize it. Talk about it. Act on it. Learn more at RecognizeTalkAct.org. A message from the Virginia Department of Health.